Bibles, look with me in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, aren't you glad that we have some defense this morning? Aren't you glad that he cannot cross the bloodline? I believe that the devil is mighty, mighty powerful, but I believe the blood of Jesus has all power this morning, and I believe the blood of Jesus can protect us from the wrath of Satan, and Satan cannot cross that bloodline. And I want you to know that uh, God has given us life, God has saved us, uh, God ha is protecting us, and anything you're going through, God can protect you in that bloodline. If the blood of Jesus is, has been applied to your soul, thank the Lord for the shelter that we have. Thank the Lord for the protection that we have. You say, are you one of them bloody Baptists? I sure am. I believe in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more precious. Nothing can wash away my sin but the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I believe in it. I believe in it because it's the only thing God accepts for the atonement of sin. If you would stand with me for the reading of God's word. In the word of God holy this morning. 
Romans chapter 8 and in verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Don't you love that? Delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all of these things, in all of these things, isn't that beautiful? In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, that means to be convinced, I have been convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, listen here, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. Open our hearts to it this morning. Give me power from on high to preach your word the way you designed it. I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. I want to speak to you there in verse 37. The Apostle Paul wrote, Nay, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I want to speak to you on the subject this morning. We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. The phrase more than conquerors simply means to be completely victorious. It means to carry away uh, an overwhelming victory. It doesn't mean that you just win by the, the skin of, uh, of your teeth or you just barely make it. It means means to have an overwhelming victory. How many Christians you talk to and you say, well, how are you today? And they say, well, I'm here and that's just it. That's it. I'm just barely here. I'm just barely making it. Child of God, that's not what the Word of God tells us. If you are saved by the precious blood of Jesus, the Bible says that we are more than conquerors. We're not getting by, by the skin of our teeth. We're not just barely making it. This phrase means that we are completely victorious. That means that we have victory in every aspect of life. Instead of walking around defeated, child of God, you ought to have your head up and your mouth ought to be open to the praise of the Lord because we have victory in Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors. We are victorious over the things in this life. And I love what that verse said, in all things. 
I'm glad there's no limits to Jesus Christ. I'm glad there's no limits to his power. I'm glad that I can apply Jesus in every aspect of my life because the Bible said in all things, in all things. So many people today think the gospel of Jesus is, is not applicable to our life anymore, but can I tell you that you can be become victorious in all things through Jesus Christ. You can apply the gospel in every aspect of your life and find victory in that. You ought to have victory this morning, child of God. If you're here and you've never been saved, if you can't go back to a time and a moment that you asked Jesus to save your soul, you don't have victory. You need to be saved today. But if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, applied him to your soul, then you're saved by the precious blood of Christ. You are saved, and there are some promises that you have that we find in the Word of God. And I'm so glad that as a Christian that I don't know what society's going to do. I I don't know what the economy is going to do, but I can wake up every day and rest in the Word of God and stand upon the precious promises of God that we are more than conquerors. No matter what the world's doing, I can trust in the Word of God today. And I love what the Apostle Paul said. He's talking to these believers in Rome, but he's getting the gospel message out. And he asked several questions here, but I want to look at three questions that he asked. I want you to look, number one, in uh, verse 31. He said, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, then he asked the question, Who can be against us? Number one, who can be against us? If we as God's people are more than conquerors and we have the victory the Bible tells us about, then who can be against us? I believe that we have victory over situations in this life when we know Jesus. I believe every situation that you face in life, Jesus Christ can give you the ability to overcome every single situation situation. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Isn't it good to know what Romans 8:28 says? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. We know that not all things are good, but because Jesus is still on his throne, he works all things for good. Isn't that wonderful? It's not just the situations that find victory. It's the outcome of those situations that we find victory in because Jesus can work all things together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. If God be for you, then who can be against you? We sit there so defeated. We sit there so intimidated by the world, so intimidated by trials and temptations and tribulations. Every day people are diagnosed with cancer. Every day we lose friends and family members. Every day it's something else. We are counted as sheep to the slaughter. We are killed all the day long. I'm telling you, this whole life is rough, isn't it? And there's bad situations on every hand. But the Bible said, if God be for you, who can be against you? Isn't that wonderful to know that God's on my side? And if I've got God on my side, who can be against me? That means that not one situation that I face can overcome me. Because if God be for me, what is that little situation? What is that little trial? If God be for me, then I can do all things through Christ. Amen? 
I can do all things through Christ. It's through Christ that he enables me to go through these situations. Now I want you to go up to the verse before there. And I want you to look at how we make it through these things and through these situations. Notice what he said in verse 30. He said, Moreover whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. How in the world do we find victory over situations? Well, number one, we've been predestinated. We've been predestined. Now, I know Baptists cannot stand that little word. But that little word is a beautiful word. Because people have, have taken this word out of context. But when you apply this word correctly, this is a beautiful word. Child of God, do you know why you can go through anything that you ever faced in life? Because God chose you. You have been picked out and you have been chosen to be saved. You have been picked out and you have been chosen to live the life that you're living. Boy, us Baptists get nervous right now. You say, preacher, what do you mean God chose me? God chose me. And God chose you. But bless God, he chose everybody. And everybody, he chose the whole world. God is a whosoever God. And the salvation that he offers is a whosoever salvation. I'm glad it's not by your last name. I'm glad it's not by your education or knowledge. I'm glad that by the grace of God, we can all be saved. Because God chose us. While we were sinners, God chose us. We talk about the world, but let's look at it personally. How can I go through anything that there is in life to face because God chose me? That big God pointed his finger personally down at me. And if God can personally choose me, then God can personally save me. And if God can personally save me, then God can personally protect me. And if God can personally protect me, bless God, God can pers personally take me through this whole life. We talk about this God, the God of the universe. He is the God of the world, but he's a personal God. He's a personal God that has chosen everyone to be saved. But not only have we been predestined, but we've been called. We've been called. The very day that I got saved, he sent his Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad he called you to be saved? Isn't that wonderful? Aren't you glad that he called you to service? How are we called by that sweet Holy Spirit? That Holy Spirit invites us in. That Holy Spirit invites us to follow him. That Holy Spirit is what started the work of salvation and the work of service in our life. Won't you notice in verse 26 what he said? He said, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us in groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Do you realize if you're called, that means the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you? And every day God is leading us and God is guiding us by the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. If the Holy Spirit dwells within me, then who can be against me? If God is leading me through the direction of the Holy Spirit, what situation can really overcome me when I have God dwelling within my heart and my soul? Isn't that an awesome thought to think that God dwells within us? You say, preacher, you're a nobody. Amen. I'll amen that. Y'all don't have to, but I'll amen that. Preacher, you, there's nothing special or spectacular about you. You're right. 
But I tell you what is special is the one that dwells within me. And the thing that sets me apart from the rest of the world is that spirit that dwells within me. That's what separates us, folks. That's what separates the saved from the lost. The lost go through trials just like you do. But you've got the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within your heart, leading you and guiding you and getting you through this. He predestinated, he called, and he justified. You know what justified means? It means to be made right. God cleaned us up. God called us out of sin. He chose us, He called us, and He made us right. I'm not right because of me, I'm right because of Him. My sins have been forgiven, my sins have been taken to the cross. There's a lot of trials and there's a lot of tribulations that I go through. And I'm not right a lot, okay? I'm right most of the time, but not all the time. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, there we go, there's an amen. But in my life, I have been justified by the blood of Jesus. There's a lot of wrong in me, but there is some right in me because he made me right. And the things that I do right is the power of him that is in me. He has justified me. Isn't that beautiful? Do you realize what our life would be like if we weren't justified? Do you realize what we would be like and how terrible our life would be if we still made those same mistakes that we used to make? Do you realize how tough it would be if we didn't turn to God every time something happened? I'm glad we got a God to go to. I've been justified. I can call out to Jesus Christ. I can go before the throne of God because I've been justified. And I'm allowed to enter into the throne room of God. But notice the fourth thing. He said, them he also glorified. I'm also predestinated. I'm called. I'm justified. But I've also been glorified. Isn't that wonderful? And you say, preacher, you can't be glorified. There ain't nothing glorious about you. Yes, there is. There's a lot of glory that is found within the believer. Yes, we still have that old flesh nature, but bless God, we got the spirit nature. And the Bible said in Ephesians, you don't have to turn there, but Paul said, but God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved through faith, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I have a flesh side, but I have have a glory side. I have the flesh that does not want to do the things of God, but I have a glory side within me. And I'm telling you, there's a power in me that I don't even comprehend. If you're saved today, the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we get down and we get stumped by situations and situations overcome us. Remember, child of God, you've been glorified. There's a part of God's glory dwelling inside of your heart and your soul. You have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. That means the authority of God is within you. The power of God is within you. We walk around and get defeated by everything and everything and everything. Child of God, we got God. God in us. We have His power within us. Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad that I've been glorified. Every one of those words in the Greek is past tense. My condition right now, I've been chosen. I've been called. 
I've been justified. And bless God, I got part of God's glory down in me. We walk around so defeated and so down and so discouraged. Don't you realize God is dwelling in you? The same God that parted the Red Sea, the same God that rained manna down from above is dwelling within your heart and soul. <laughs> Man, we must be in a Baptist church. My goodness. Don't you realize the same God that walked on water is the same God that dwells within you? And the same God that healed the withered hand is the same God that dwelled within you? And we get so upset about things. And that God that dwells within us is the very God that said, Lazarus, come forth. Understand that that same God is the God that dwells within us. We've been glorified. We've been glorified. Aren't you glad we have victory over situations? Number two, notice the second question in verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? Second question, who can condemn us? Number one, who can be against us? Number two, who can condemn us? Now we see the victory over sin. The word condemn means to pronounce guilty. It means to sentence to punishment. I want you to turn to John chapter 3. Hold your place there. And I want you to look in John chapter 3. You ever hear the world say, you Christians can't judge me because God judges me? That's kind of tough, isn't it? Do we really want the judgment of God? The judgment of God is tough, okay? And we get, we get bent out of shape. You know, we don't want people judging us. And we don't. And we say, well, God's our judge. Yes, God is our judge. And God is righteous in His judgment. God is just in His judgment. We better be careful about the judgment of God. We better take the judgment of God seriously. But condemnation is not just judgment. Condemnation is the sentence. That is pleading guilty. That is the act of saying, you've done this, you're wrong, and then you get a sentence. You get a penalty for being wrong. That is what condemnation is. And Paul simply asks the question, who can condemn us? Now that we're saved, who can condemn us? Notice what he said in John 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He didn't come to put us on trial and to sentence us. He came to save us. Notice verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. So condemnation, Jesus cannot condemn us. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. We're guilty. The law of God, the Word of God, declares us guilty. The very day that I, was, that I realized that I was lost in need of a Savior is I was guilty inside of my soul. The Bible says the only way that we can be condemned is by not putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It does not matter what the devil tells you. It does not matter what the world tells you. The Bible says that the only way to be condemned is by not having faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus cannot condemn you. You are condemned already.
Your unbelief is what condemns you. Your unbelief is what will send you to that place called hell. I hear all the time, God sends people to hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. God's not willing that any perish. God's not willing that any go there. The Bible said that he sent Jesus to save us, not to condemn us. If you go to hell... I promise you, it will be in spite of what God has done for you. Because God has done everything in order to save your soul and to save you from the penalty of sin. The only way to be condemned is not having faith in Jesus Christ. But when we get saved, we're saved and we're secure in our salvation. Who can condemn a child of God? It doesn't matter how many times you tell me to go to that place. I can't go to hell today. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? It doesn't matter how many times you say it. Because who can condemn us? Child of God, I want you to think about something here. There's enough in this world to worry about. But the things that God has given you is something that you shouldn't worry about. Who can condemn you as a child of God? Who can separate you from God? Who can make a person that is redeemed and bought with a price change to the point and place that they're not saved anymore? I'm so sick of walking around southeast Arkansas and asking the question, if you died today, where are you going to spend eternity? And the answer most of the time is heaven, I hope. The other day, a man was in my office, and I began to witness to him. And I said, if you died right now, where would you go? Uh, well, I don't know. I said, well, have you ever been saved? Well, sure, I've been saved. But I'll tell you what, I, man, I, I hadn't always been faithful. I hadn't always lived right. I hadn't always done right. I said, and that's why you're going to hell. <laughs> Your works is what gets you to hell. It's the work of Christ that gets you to heaven. And the very day that you put your trust in the blood of Jesus Christ to save you, that same power that saved you can secure you. And I cannot comprehend how any religion or any preacher can find uh, the fact that you lose your salvation in the Word of God. Because the Apostle Paul said, who can now condemn us? Now that Jesus has saved me, who in the world can condemn me? What a horrible Christian life to put your head down on your pillow at night, scared to death that you didn't do good enough to keep you saved. Friend, you didn't do good enough to get you saved, and you can't do good enough to keep you saved. It was God's power saved you. It's God's power that's going to keep you. It's the power of God that keeps us saved every single day. I don't get saved every day. I don't go to Him and ask for uh, salvation every day. I was saved one time. When I was 13 years old, I bowed on my knees. I asked Jesus to save my soul. I hadn't always been faithful. In fact, I've been sorry at times. But you listen to me. God's been faithful to me. God's been good to me. Who in the world can condemn a child of God? Now I want you to look back in Romans chapter 8. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Now I may just start preaching right here if that's all right. <laughs> Preacher, I don't know if I've done good enough to keep me saved. Preacher, what if I lost what God gave me? What a horrible idea of salvation. Notice what he said in verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? And then he answers, it is Christ that died. 
yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Understand the only reason I'm saved is because of the price that was paid at the cross. Notice what he said. It is Christ that died. I am saved because Jesus paid the price at the cross. Understand that I've kept my salvation because Jesus paid the price at the cross. Bless God, he doesn't have to keep going back to the cross. Bless God, he doesn't have to die again. Bless God that he doesn't have to do all that he did all over again. What he did, he did it once, and it's final, and it's forever done, and it dealt with sin and paid the price forevermore. There's not another payment to pay. Jesus saved your soul. The price has been paid. He had died for the sins of the entire world. When I was 13 years old, I accepted that payment. I applied that payment to my to my soul. I love that old word. It is finished. And the Bible comes from that Greek term, tetelestai. And the Bible says that when tetelestai is used, it means to be complete, to be paid in full. Your sins have been paid in full. They have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. They have been kept by the blood of Jesus. And bless God today, you can't go to hell no matter how many people tell you to go there. It doesn't matter what the devil does. It doesn't matter what you do. Understand, you can't be condemned anymore because you've had faith in the blood of Jesus. Do you know why I'm still saved? Because Jesus paid the price. He paid the price, and he paid it in full. Not only because of the cross, of the price that was paid on the cross, but because of the power of the tomb. You telling me a God that defeated death, hell, and the grave in three days can't keep what I've done against him that day? Who are we to say that God is powerful enough to deliver me from sin but not to keep me from sin? Are you trying to tell me the very God that defeated death, hell, and the grave and got up on that third and glorious morning and, and defeated death, hell, and the grave? We have power today because of the power of the tomb. Man, y'all need to get excited, folks. My goodness. You can't go to hell because of the power of the tomb. The price of the cross, the power of the tomb. Do you know why we can go through anything the devil puts in front of us? Because Jesus is alive. He is alive. A dead Savior is nobody's Savior. Bless God, He is alive today. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And if He can do that, He can do it in my life. But not only that, but what does it say? He maketh intercession for us. Oh, aren't you glad He paid the price on the cross? Aren't you glad there's power from the tomb? But aren't you glad of his position in heaven? Do you know why he can keep what I've committed against him? Because he's at the right hand of the throne of God. And he is sitting there making intercession for us. And he's going on our behalf on a daily basis. You say, well, I hadn't been good, preacher. I know, and that's what Jesus is telling God. <laughs> oh, God, I know that he's sorry. Oh, God, I know that he's failed you. I know it's not good enough, but he's applied my blood. I have forgiven him. You have forgiven him. He stands justified in us. Understand, when you get saved, you don't get a license to sin. Hold on, let me say that again. When you got saved, you didn't get a license to sin. Well, I'm saved by the grace of God, and that's it. <laughs> You're saved by more than just grace, folks. You're saved by love. You're saved by compassion. You're saved by power. And that same power that saved you can change you. A lot of folks 
make a profession of faith at seven years old and then when they die at 75, everybody sits around talking about how they're in heaven and how they've been saved, never to see any fruits in their life. You saying, preacher, are you saying they're lost? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying it's between them and God. But I know my Bible tells me you'll know them by the fruits that they bear. Child of God, if God saved you, he'll change you. He'll change you. You won't just be a saved person. You'll act like a saved person. You, bless God, you won't just be a saved person. You'll look like one and talk like one and walk like one. Oh, isn't that beautiful? He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. I have victory over my sin. You know why? Because Jesus is still on his throne. Do you know why we can have some hope? Because Jesus is still on his throne. I know there's cancer. I know there's sin. I know there's death. I know there's this. But folks, be reminded Jesus is still on his throne. And if our Savior is still on his throne, then we still got a chance. Because he's going every day making intercession for us. Last week we come in here burdened down for our brother Butch. Man... What a man of God. We love him. He's like a brother, but he's just down. He went down for a solid week. Every day it got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse. We come in here on Sunday morning. You couldn't even walk down the aisles for the people at the altar lifting up Butch Hill. Do you know why we had hope last Sunday? Because our Savior's still on the throne. He's high. He's holy. He's lifted up. It may be down here, but he's still high up there. And bless God, when we're down and low and don't know where to go, bless God, he's still on the throne. While you're sleeping, he's awake. While you're down, he's high. Bless God, when we can't reach up to him, he can reach down to us. And you know what happened? Man, I tell you what, I could not get any peace. I had to leave here Sunday and go to Texas, preach a funeral out there, 98-year-old saint that just loved the Lord. And I couldn't get excited about it. I couldn't. I couldn't get my mind straight because I was burdened for Brother Butch. And I read the other day about David wanting a token of the power of God. Just a little piece to be reminded that God's still on the throne. And aren't you glad of those tokens that he gives us in our life to remind us that he's still on the throne? Man, I was worried and worried. I got up Monday morning. I'm thinking, how in the world can I preach this funeral? I'm not focused. And I got a call from Miss Phyllis. Miss Phyllis said, I just got to tell you, preacher, first good report in, in eight days, nine days. She said, it's not great, but it's getting better. First good report. Every day has been better and better. And when I got that little bit of token, I said, yeah, Lord, you're still there. Yeah, Lord, you're still on the throne. Thank the Lord. Man, sometimes we think he's dead. The devil gets us so beat down and wore down that we think he's not on the throne anymore. He's still there. And child of God, I can smile. Boy, that's tough for some of y'all. I can sing. I can praise him in the good times and the bad times because he's still on the throne. And what sets Christianity apart from Buddhism and Islam and all of that because their gods are dead and they're gone and they're no more. But my God is still alive. And my God is aware of everything going on in my life. He knows what's going on because he's still alive and he still cares. Ain't nothing in this life can overcome you because he's still lifted up. He's still high and he's still making intercession. Maybe you need to get to the throne room this morning. Maybe you're overwhelmed by the things going on in your life. 
Maybe it's time for you to get there and say, Jesus, I need you this morning. I've been overwhelmed by situations. I've been overwhelmed by sin. Child of God, you can rest in Jesus today.